Good morning to those who are watching by live stream. I want to welcome you here. If you're here for the first time and if you're viewing this for the first time, uh, I want to welcome you all, first of all. And my prayer for all of you this morning is that God will speak to you directly with a timely word. A word that's going to change your life, a word that's going to change your thinking, a word that's going to encourage your faith, a word that's going to bring hope. That's my prayer for you this morning. And so I ask that you join me in, in faith, believing that God will do that today. Amen. So let's get right into the word this morning. Many of you heard the story of George Mueller. Um, I know Pastor John has mentioned him several times from, from up here, and I've mentioned him a couple of times. But for those of you who don't know George Mueller, he was a man considered to be one of the great men of faith during the 19th century. He also was known for uh, rescuing several thousand homeless children by opening up orphanages. But it was how he ran his orphanage that uh, was remarkable. It was said that he ran his orphanage day by day, depending on God. And perhaps maybe you've heard the story before, but there was one time where he ran out of food. And, and so what he did was he set the table and he called the children around the table. And the children, as they gathered around the table, they looked at each other confused because there was no food on the table. And so one of the children uh, spoke up and said, sir, there's no food on the table. And Mr. Mueller says, I realize that. But we should thank God anyway. And so he began to give thanks and pray, thanking the Lord for giving them their daily bread and meeting their needs. He also continued praying that God, that uh, reminding God that he was doing God's work and that the children were hungry. Now at the end of prayer, there was a knock on the door. There was the baker at the end of the street. And the baker says to Mr. Mueller, Mr. Mueller, I, was, I felt led to bring these leftovers to the orphanage because we couldn't sell all that we had baked today. Now, it's things like that that make us believe that God is real. Amen. It is things like that that make us believe that God can be depended on and that he can be trusted, that he can be relied upon. And God wants us to daily depend on him each day Every day of our lives, because even though we get up every morning and we're faced with choices to decide who or what we're going to rely on, God wants us to depend on him each day. Amen. In Matthew chapter six and verse nine, Jesus begins to pray, uh, teach the disciples or the people that were listening to him during the Sermon of the Mount about the manner in which they should pray. And he starts off with this, and you all know it. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Now, it's the next verse that I want to focus on this morning. And you all know it. Say it with me. And give us this day our daily bread. And so this morning, I want to talk to you about why it's important to depend on God day by day. One of the most important things for, for the Christian life is to be able to depend on God every day for our daily needs. How many of you believe that? When we depend on God on a daily basis, we are acknowledging him 
as being the only source to supply all of our needs. We are acknowledging him and, and also it allows us to tap into his grace, his mercy, his guidance, and all the other wonderful um, uh, resources that he provides. And one of the most important things about depending on God is that it draws us closer to him and developing a deeper relationship and a deeper trust. Those that you trust and have the most confidence in are usually the ones that you have the closest relationship with. Amen? Amen. So we are depending on God. But this leads me to ask this question. Who are you relying on? Who do you depend on when you're faced with trouble? Who or what do you turn to first when problems arise? Do you turn to human solutions or do you turn to God? Here's what the prophet Isaiah has to say about that. Go to Isaiah 31 and look at verse 1. Listen to what he says. Excuse me. He says, Woe to those who go down to Egypt for help and rely on horses, who trust in chariots because they are many, and in horsemen because they are very strong, but who do not look to the Holy One of Israel, nor seek the Lord. Now this was a warning against the people of God who looked to other nations for military help. They were were relying on human solutions rather than relying on God. But what's interesting here is that the people of God had a very good reason to rely on Egypt for their military assistance. Two of the reasons are mentioned here. One of the reasons was that their chariots, that they had more chariots than all the other nations. Another reason was that their horsemen were much stronger than all the other nations. So that gave them an advantage. But what's sad here is the fact that they couldn't find a good reason to trust in the Lord. That is a sad case when you can't find a reason to trust God for your situation. I don't know about you, but if I was ever in a bind and I found myself in some trouble... I would rather turn to someone who has the power and the ability to create the heavens and the earth to handle my business. Amen? I like what Psalm 121 says in verses 1 and 2 where it says, it asks the question, from whence cometh my help? Does it come from the hills? It says, but verse 2 says, my help cometh from the Lord who created the heavens and the earth. Amen? So our first response should always be to turn to the Lord first. Now, let me take a few minutes to define to you what dependence means. To be dependent means to rely on someone or something for support or help. Right? It also means to lean on someone or to cling to someone or something that you trust. It means that you have complete confidence and trust in the one thing or the one person that, you, that, that is your object of your dependency. All right, are you with me? When, dependent, when, when depending on God, it is basic to the Christian life. How many of you know that? We're all made to depend on Him. But every day when we wake up, we are faced with the world's problems or the world's temptations that tries to tempt us to depend on us, ourselves, on others, or other, any other thing besides God. That's what we're faced with every day. 
But, but listen to this. Once we make up our minds to trust with God alone and depend on him totally and confidently, and the heart's pursuits are always towards him, then there's nothing else will come close to what he provides. I like what Matthew 6.33 says, one of my favorite verses. It says, for seek, God, the, for seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all of these things shall be added to you. So when we're depending on God, it's an expression of faith. It's believing that God is everything. Depending on God also means that you've surrendered the need to be in control of everything. How many of you know what I'm talking about here? We like to be in control of things, but when we totally depend on God, we're surrendering all control. Hallelujah. So when we depend on God, what we're really saying is this, that God is the most important person in our lives, and we know and we don't need anyone else but him. That is what happens when we depend on God. That's what we're telling God. Lord, you are more important, and I believe that you're the only one that can supply all of my needs. And here's the emphasis, the word all. Go to Philippians chapter 4 and look at verse 19. It's a very familiar passage of scripture. And it says this, And my God shall supply all your need according to his riches in glory. So what Paul is saying here, that God will supply every need. Now the word supply in the Greek has many, <coughs> excuse me, many definitions. It uses many words like the words cram, fill up, complete, satisfy, or to fill to the full. So if we want to read this verse correctly, it should read this way. And my God shall complete, fill up, cram, satisfy and fill to the full all of your needs according to his riches in glory or according to his abundant supply. Now, when we look at this verse, too many times we we tend to think that we're talking about financial or material needs. But Paul says that God will supply all of our needs. The word all is an all-inclusive word which would also include, include your emotional needs, your social needs, your physical needs, your mental needs, your spiritual needs, along with your financial and material. Every one of us have needs besides financial, material, and spiritual, and all that other thing. But don't you know that the most greatest need in our lives are spiritual If God had a priority list of all of our needs, our spiritual welfare would be at the top. That's why the scripture says in Ephesians 1.3, For we are blessed with every what? Spiritual blessings in heavenly places. And it's not that God will not meet all of our other needs. But going back to Matthew 6 and verse 33 where it says, Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. That's the spiritual need. And all of these things shall be added to you. Those are the other needs. So when we read this verse, we're actually seeing that God is actually committed to our care. That God is committed to our needs. If there is a need, God has the supply. 
Amen. So to show you that God is committed to our care and our needs, look at Hebrews chapter 13 and look at verse 5. And I want to read that to you from the Amplified Version. It says this, Let your character and moral disposition be free from love of money, including greed, avarice, lust, and craving for earthly possessions, and be satisfied with your present circumstances and with what you have. Now let me stop there. There's one thing to be content with what you have and where you are and then be satisfied and settle with that. There's another thing to be content and looking forward to something better. I know that for a fact because there was a time when I was content with where I was. And I didn't realize that God had something better. But when I realized that, I realized that, okay, then I'm going to expect something better. I'm going to expect a better situation. I'm going to expect a better circumstances. And this is what God is saying here. And, and he goes on to say, and finish the verse, this proves that God has something better. When he says this, for God himself has said, I will not in any way fail you, nor give you up, nor leave you without support. And then he emphasizes these words, I will not, I will not, I will not in any degree leave you helpless, nor forsake, nor let you down, or relax my hold on you, assuredly not. And because God is so committed to our care, we can confidently say that God is our helper. Look at what Hebrews thirteen six says. So we take comfort. And are encouraged and confidently and boldly say, the Lord is my helper. And as God, as long as God is our helper, we can expect better things. We can expect better situation. And we can certainly expect better circumstances. What's interesting here is that the word help means to make it easier for someone to do something by offering one services or resources. It also means to improve a situation or a problem and to be a benefit to them. So when the scripture says the Lord is my helper, what is saying here is this, that God will make it easier for me by offering his services or his resources to improve my life, my situation or my problem and to be a benefit to me. Glory to God. That's a God that cares. That's a God that cares about your situation. Hallelujah. Go to Colossians chapter 1. Look at verse 15. Everything depends on God. Colossians 1.15 says this. Christ is the visible image of the invisible God. <clears throat> Excuse me. He existed before anything was created and is supreme over all creation. 16 says, for through him God created everything in the heavenly realms and on earth. And he made the things that we can see and the things that we can't see, such as thrones and kingdoms and rulers and authorities in the unseen world. Everything was created through him and for him. And he existed before anything else, and he holds all things or all creation together. What is Paul saying here? Paul is saying this, everything begins with God. Everything belongs to God. 
Everything is for God. And according to verse 17, everything is held together by God. We see a similar verse here in Hebrews 1 and verse 3, where it says, Who being the brightness of his glory and the express image of his person in upholding all things by the word of his power. Now the Amplified Version says it this way. He is the perfect imprint and the very image of God's nature, upholding, maintaining, guiding, propelling the entire universe by his mighty word. All creation depends on God. The entire universe is held together by God's power. The reason why the stars are held in place, because of God. The reason why the suns rise and fall on schedule is because of God. The reason why the planets remain in its orbits is because of God. Now think about this. It is said that the earth rotates at its axis 1,000 miles per hour. But if it was rotating only 100 miles per hour, that would, that would mean that our days would be 10 times longer than normal. And that would mean that the sun would burn the vegetation during each long days and, bur- and freeze all vegetation for each long night. Think also about this. The earth has been placed perfectly at the proper distance from the sun to give the, to, to give the earth the right amount of warmth. But if the sun gave us a little bit more warmth than we need, we all would roast. And then think about this. The moon's distance is over 200 miles from the earth. But if it was only 55,000 miles, that would affect the the, the whole planet, causing the tides to cover the continents twice daily. What am I saying? I'm saying that everything depends on God. Look at Psalm 104 and verse 27. We know that God created the heavens and the earth. Someone once said that when God created the heavens, it was to minister to the earth. And when God created the earth, it was to minister to the inhabitants of the earth. That's all of the creatures, the animals, the plants, the fish. That also includes mankind. In Psalm 104, we read the praises of a sovereign God for his creation and divine providence. And it starts out in verse 27 and say, they, meaning all of uh, the creatures, all depend on you. To give them food as they need it. Verse 29 says, or 28 says, When you supply it, they gather it. You open your hand to feed them, and they are richly satisfied. In Matthew chapter 6, when Jesus warns us about worrying about our lives, what we should eat, drink, or what we should wear, he points to the birds. And he says, look at the birds. They don't plant, they don't harvest, or they, they don't even store But he says, your father in heaven is what feeds them. Aren't you more valuable than they? God is committed to our care. So everything depends on God. The the entire universe cannot exist or function without God. Now, so for the Christian, life is one of constant dependence of the Lord. Go to Psalm 124 and look at verses 1 through 5. The entire chapter talks about depending on God. And it starts out in verse 1 this way. If it had not been the Lord who was on our side, 
Let Israel now say. Then it repeats the same statement for emphasis. Verse 2. If it had not been the Lord who was on our side when men rose up against us, then they would have swallowed us alive when their wrath was kindled against us. Verse 4. Then the waters would have overwhelmed us and the stream would have gone over our soul. In verse 5. Then the swollen waters would have gone over our soul. If God had not been on their side, they would have been swallowed up, overwhelmed, and they would have been overrun by their enemies and by their circumstances. Now, the key word here is the word if. Now, if is a tiny little word, but with huge implications. Because here, the word if focuses on what might have happened if not for the Lord. If the Lord had not been on their side, they would have been destroyed. How many times have you looked back on your life and seen through hindsight how God's hand was upon you? Think about this. How many times have you would have been killed? Or how many times should you have, or how many times have you avoided accidents? Or how many times have you done something extremely stupid or dangerous and able to walk away clean and and untacked? First and foremost, where would you be without God? Or think of this way. What would your life be like if God had not helped you? What would your life be like If God had not protected you? Or what would your life be like if God had not saved you? Or what would your life be like if God had not changed you? Say this with me. Thank God he changed me. Thank God he changed my spouse. So having thought that out. If you think for one minute that you can navigate life successfully without God, then you're lying to yourself. Galatians chapter 6 and verse 3, Paul says that if anyone thinks himself to be something when he is nothing, he deceives himself. I like what one pastor says. He says, there are many of us referring to Christians who are spiritually self-employed. In other words, we work for ourselves. But he says there's a negative side to working for yourself. And that negative side is that you've got to cover your own benefits. When you work for yourself, you've got to pay the tab. When you work for yourself, you've got to pay for your insurance. When you work for yourself, you've got to pay all the expenses. Now, you may be free to work for yourself, but you're also free to bear the entire burden yourself. Are you hearing me this morning? We cannot expect to live life successfully based on self-sufficiency. We need to depend on God in everything. It is so vital. And Psalm 124 that we've read teaches us that we can and we must depend on God if we want to safely get to the other side. Now, go to 2 Chronicles chapter 26. And I want to begin reading from verses 3 through 5. And here is a good example of why it's so important to depend on God. 
Here, verse, uh, chapter 26, it's all about King Uzziah. And the chapter is made up of two parts. The first part talks about his success. The second part talks about his failures. So we're going to see what caused his success and what also caused his failure. So we begin in verse 3. It said, Uzziah was 16 years old when he became king, and he reigned in Jerusalem for 52 years. His mother was Jecoliah from Jerusalem. Verse 4, and he did what was pleasing in the Lord's sight, just as his father Amaziah had done. Now, verse 5 is what I want you to see. Uzziah sought God during the days of Zechariah the prophet, who taught him to fear God. And watch this. And as long as the king sought guidance from the Lord, God gave him success. As long as King Uzziah depended on the Lord by constantly seeking his guidance and direction, Blessings and success came his way. As a matter of fact, he was so successful. If you look down in verse 15, it says that his fame spread far and wide. For the Lord gave him marvelous help and he became very powerful. Now that was successful. But only because he depended on God for guidance and direction to be a great king. Now we come to verse 16. But when he had become powerful, he also became proud, which led to his downfall. And he sinned against the Lord his God by entering into the sanctuary of the Lord's temple and personally burned incense on the incense altar. Let me go back to what Paul says in Galatians chapter 6 and verse 3. If anyone thinks himself to be somebody when he's nobody, he deceives himself. Now, as long as King Uzziah depended on the Lord by constantly seeking his guidance and direction, he was successful. But the moment he became proud, the moment he became full of himself, he stopped depending on God. When we get full of ourselves, we stop thinking, we start thinking that we're all that. And we don't even want to depend on God because we got this. We got it together. Apparently and unfortunately, King Uzziah thought that. The moment he became full of himself, he stopped depending on God. And then he had the nerve. And here's what happens, that when you become so full of yourself as King Uzziah, all of a sudden you think that you're above God's law. Because he entered into the temple and began to burn incense, which is a violation of God's law. The only ones that were allowed to burn incense in the temple were the priests. They were the only ones that were consecrated and separated to do that. And the, the, the significance of the burning of the incense is that when the priests come in and burn incense, the smoke will rise from the altar symbolizing the prayers of the saints. And it reaches over into the presence of God. What King Uzziah did was he went into the temple... And burnt incense on his own behalf without a mediator. And the priest served as a mediator between God and people. And so he completely violated everything. But that's what happens when you become so full of yourself. All of a sudden you don't need anyone or anything because you got it together. How many believe you got it together? Because if you raise your hand, we're going to pray for you at the end of the service. So we see King Uzziah's failures and we see his success. And the difference is that when he was successful, he depended on God. 
But when he failed, it's because he stopped depending on God. And the sad ending to this was this. Go to verse 21. Oh, by the way, when he entered into the temple to burn incense, all of the priests got together and tried to get him out of the temple. But because he was so full of himself, he became angry and resisted. And the moment he resisted, the scripture says that he was afflicted with leprosy. And so the priest gathered them and just ushered him out of the temple quickly. And here's the ending in verse 21. So King Uzziah had leprosy until the day he died. And he lived in isolation, quarantine. How many of you know what it's like to be quarantined? It's not fun, isn't it? Imagine being quarantined for the rest of your life. In a separate house, and he was excluded from the temple of the Lord. And his son Jotham was put in charge of the royal palace and governed the people of the land. What a sad ending to a man who had such a uh, great potential, started out young, successfully and strong, only to fail and, and, be, and become disappointed or be a disappointment. It doesn't pay to not depend on God. It doesn't help when you depend on yourself more than you depend on God. Jesus had something to say. He had a lesson to teach about the importance of being connected to the person that you depend on. Go to John chapter 15. Look at verse uh, 4. When he talked about the importance of being connected using the analogy of the branch and the vine. And we all know the story. What Jesus says in verse 4, Abide in me and I in you. As the branch, watch this, cannot bear fruit of itself unless it abides in the vine, neither can you unless you abide in me. The, the branch joined together and connected to the vine, getting all of its nourishment, all of its life, able to produce, able to, to grow and develop. But apart from the vine, it cannot produce by itself. It cannot grow by itself. It cannot do anything by itself. And so Jesus continues looking in verse 5. I am the vine, and you are the branches. And he who abides in me, he who remains in me, the word abide means to remain, to dwell, or to continue. It also means to stay connected or attached. And Jesus said, I am the vine and you are the branches. And if you abide in me, if you stay attached to me, if you stay connected to me, if you continue in me, you will bear much fruit. You will grow. You will develop. You will be strong. You will be productive. For without me, you can do nothing. Without the very life source, we are powerless to produce any fruit. We are powerless to grow. We are powerless to have any success in our lives. When we stop depending on God, it's because we turn to other things. And we've chosen to depend on something or someone other than God. And if you were to ask yourself this morning, am I being successful? Am I being productive? Am I growing in certain areas of my life? Am I being victorious in certain areas of my life? Am I becoming stronger? And if you can't answer that with a yes, then maybe you need to search really hard within yourself and find out if you're really trusting God and depending on him or not. 
But God is dependable. The Bible tells us throughout the scriptures how dependable God is. Look at Deuteronomy chapter 4 and look at verse 7. Here's a statement that was made by Moses during his farewell speech to God. And he says this. For what great nation has a God as near to them as the Lord our God is near to us whenever we call on him? And what Moses was simply saying or reminded the people of the advantages that they had over all the other nations around them. Because no one has a God like they do who they can depend on when they call on him. Knowing that they can rely on God, the moment they call in, God will come and answer. He had to remind them of their advantage and not, and, and, and not to ignore the advantages that they have. Now, because of time, I don't have time to go to all the other scriptures that prove that God is dependable. But I just want to move on. Go back to Matthew chapter 6 and verse 11. The verse that we started out earlier where it says, give us this day our daily bread. Depending on God means having a total dependency on him day by day. Now notice what God says. I'm this way over here. <laughs> notice what God says in this verse. He says, give us this day our daily bread. Notice what he doesn't say. He doesn't say give us tomorrow our daily bread. That's because God wants us to focus our dependence on him on a day-to-day basis. Just like George Mueller depended on God. On a day-to-day basis. Each day we're to depend on God to provide for that day. Whatever it is that we need to help us get through that day. And, to, and not to focus on what tomorrow brings. Now if you remember the story of the children of Israel. When they wandered in the wilderness. And they began to complain because there was no food. And so as they complained. You know thinking that you know what we should have stayed in Egypt as slaves. Because at least we had food. At least we can know that there will always be food there today and tomorrow. And so God heard their cry and God provided them with manna from heaven. Amen. But what God didn't do was give them all that they needed for the day. Or all that they needed uh, to to help them last for the rest of the days and the rest of the, 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 the week. As a matter of fact, God did not even give them a monthly or weekly supply of manna. What God did was gave them enough manna for the day. Day by day, and he did that for 40 years. Now, I don't want to get ahead of myself here. When God was providing them with manna each day, God instructed them not to save any leftovers for tomorrow. How many of you have leftovers for the next day? How many have leftovers for today? But God says, don't save any food for tomorrow. Unfortunately, many of them disobeyed God. And so what they did was, we're going to eat what we can today, and then we're going to save the rest for tomorrow. But we don't know if God's going to feed us tomorrow. So let's save some for tomorrow. And of course, when tomorrow got here, when they looked into their leftover bin, all of their leftovers that they saved for tomorrow were spoiled. You see, they took it upon themselves to secure themselves for tomorrow. But when tomorrow got here, what they were saving for tomorrow had failed them. What I'm trying to say is this. You can't worry about tomorrow. Even Jesus said, don't worry about tomorrow. Focus on today. 
But see, because the children did this, they demonstrated a lack of faith. They did not trust that God was going to feed them tomorrow like he fed them today. But, they, but instead, they, they took it upon themselves to secure themselves for tomorrow. Themselves. They did it themselves. This was their own plan. And their plan failed because they failed to trust God. We should never worry about what tomorrow brings. Because God already got tomorrow taken care of. Amen? And here's why. Go to John chapter 6. Jesus tells his disciples that it was God that provided manna to the children of Israel to give them life in the wilderness. And that wasn't Moses. And then God says, but now I give you the true manna, the true bread from heaven. And the disciple says, Lord, give us this bread every day. And then Jesus says in verse 35, I am that bread of life. He says, whoever comes to me will never be hungry again. And whoever believes in me will never be thirsty. Jesus is our bread from heaven who provides for us on a daily basis. And whoever comes to him and believes in him will never hunger or never thirst. He's not only our daily bread. He is not only our bread of life, our daily bread of life, but he is also the great shepherd. Psalm 23, 1 says, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. The word want means to lack, to have a need or to be empty. But he is our great shepherd. Therefore, we have no wants. We have no lack. We have no, no need. He is our bread of life. Oh, my goodness, look at the time. All right, I'm I'm in the final stretch here. Thank you for hanging in there with me. You ever hear the saying that God helps those that help themselves? What verse in the Bible is that? Does anyone know? Or God takes care of those who take care of themselves. Well, we know that that statement is wrong because it doesn't say that in the Bible. And the reason why it's wrong is because those people who take care of themselves, those people who help themselves are not depending on God for help or for care. Right? The Bible makes it very clear that instead of relying on ourselves or people, we're better off depending on God. Look at Jeremiah chapter 17. Listen to what God says about this. In verse 5, he spoke to the prophet Jeremiah and he says this, Thus says the Lord, Cursed is the man who trusts in man and makes flesh his strength, whose heart departs from the Lord. Psalm 118 in verse 8 says, It's better to trust in the Lord than to put confidence in man. Now, what am I really saying here? Am I saying that we can never depend on people? No, that's not what I'm saying. What I'm saying is that whenever you have a problem, whenever there's trouble in your life, whenever you don't know what to do and don't know what to turn to, we must go to God first. Before we go to anybody else. And it could be that God will direct you to someone for help. Or it could be that God could speak to someone come to you for help. A good example of that is Elijah. During a great famine, God told Elijah, I want you to go to the brook Cherith. 
And there I will take care of you and sustain you. So from the brook he drank the water. And God sent ravens his way in the morning and in evening, making sure that he ate. But the moment the brook dried up, God says, okay, now I want you to go to the town of Zarephath. Because there I commanded someone, a widow woman, to meet your need. So in this case, God chose someone for him to depend on. But understand this, it was God who instructed Elijah first to go to that person. God ultimately is the one who orchestrates everything behind the scenes. But we need to go to him first and let him take care of the situation. Let him do the orchestrating in the behind, behind the scenes. Amen? There was a story about this, young, this, this man who led a, a children's choir. And every day before, before church, he would gather all the children together in a group. And, and he would tell them this. He says, in order to be successful, you must keep your eyes on me. You must look to me and you must watch the movement of my hand. In order to be successful. Of course, there being children, many of them just, you know, how distracted they can be. They, they weren't looking at him. They weren't watching the movement. And so when that happened, it was just chaos. But for us to be successful, we need to, we need to look to him and watch his movement. Amen. Because only then we'll be successful. Now, I'm getting close. Psalm 37 verse 23 says this, The Lord directs the steps of the godly, and he delights in every detail of their lives. Because God wants to be so involved in our lives, and he wants to be included in every area of our lives. We need to depend on him because he knows what's best for us. He knows the best path to take. He knows what the best decision to make. So it's best to depend on him. Now, we all know the story of Zerubbabel, who was one of the many Jewish people who were held captive in Babylon for 70 years. At, at the end of the 70 years, God allowed them to go back to Jerusalem. And so Zerubbabel led thousands of Jews back to Jerusalem, but with a specific instruction to rebuild the temple. Now, listen very carefully. Dependence opens up opportunities that are beyond ourselves. So here they are. They're excited. They're ready to get, rebuild their lives, rebuild the temple, rebuild the city of Jerusalem, and just start all over again until they got there. Because they did not expect or were prepared to see what they saw, the devastation of the temple. All they saw was a huge mound of rubble. And they became so discouraged and they lost heart that instead of building the, or rebuilding the, the, uh, the temple, they decided to rebuild their own homes instead. Now, Zerubbabel was faced with a huge task of rebuilding this temple. Now, the last time when this temple was, stand, was standing, it was built by Solomon. And it was considered one of the great wonders of the world. But when Solomon built it, he had all of the resources he had all of the finances and he had all of the manpower. Zerubbabel, however, had very little resource, had very little manpower, and had very little finances. And so here he is faced with this task. How am I going to rebuild this? I can't even get my own people to come and help me. I don't even have the resources to do this. 
I don't even have the materials. But then God heard his cry and God spoke to the prophet Zechariah. And he appeared to Zechariah and he gave him a vision, a strange vision. A vision that Zechariah the prophet did not even understand until God explained it to him. And the, the, the vision that God showed Zechariah was a message directly for Zerubbabel. Now, I, I want to be careful not to jump ahead. Here was the message that God gave to Zechariah to give to Zerubbabel. Go to Zechariah chapter 4 and verse 6. Many of you probably already know it. But this is what it said. Okay, no verses there. Okay. He answered and said to me, This is the word of the Lord to Zerubbabel. It's not by might, nor by power, but by my spirit, saith the Lord. What God was simply saying to Zerubbabel, he's also saying to us today. Depend on me to do the impossible. In other words, instead of trying to figure out how to do it and which way to do it, by relying on our own limited resources and our own limited abilities, we ought to look to God and depend on him because when things seem impossible to us, it is possible to God. Depending on other sources will always cause us to miss out on God opportunities. Many times we're going to be faced with situations that are beyond ourselves. Many times God's going to call us to situations that's going to require resources that are beyond our own resources. Many times God's going to call us to do things that, that's going to require abilities that are beyond our own abilities. But when we depend on God, God can help us to go beyond our abilities, beyond our resources, and help us because we went to him and depend on him and we look to him because he's the one that can do the impossible. It's not by might nor by power. It's not by our abilities or our resources. It's by God and his spirit. This very presence alone proves and guarantees that God will help us in our time of need. If we depend on him. Amen. Amen. Let me close with this. Some of you, now this happened thousands, I mean thousands, uh, several years ago, actually over 20 years ago. So I don't know if you remember this, but on December 27th, on Thursday, 2001, this true event took place. An airplane took off by itself. Somehow was left in gear and it taxied down the runway and it actually flew. Now, I can't even imagine how that's even possible, but it was a true event. It flew, and it flew for 35 miles before it crashed. Now, think about this. It, it took off on its own, flew for 35 miles until something happened. Now, there's a lesson to be learned on this story. Here's the lesson. Without God, we can take off for a while. Without God, we can fly for a while. Without God, we can go high for a while. But there's going to become a time we're going to run out of fuel. And when we run out of fuel, the landing is going to be hard. So here's what I guarantee. Here's what I recommend to you. Here's what I would advise you. Before we take off, let's make sure God is in charge. Before we take off, let us make sure that God 
is calling the shots. Before we take off, let's make sure that we've completely submitted and depended on him so that we can fly, we can take off, and we don't have to crash. Amen? So do this for me. Wake up every morning, and before you do anything else, say to the Lord, Lord, I'm going to depend on you. So when I take off this morning, I know I'm going to fly. And I know I'm not going to crash land. Glory to God. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for helping us this morning and encouraging us, Lord God, with your word. Thank you, Father God, that we look to you and depend on you for all things. Lord, we thank you, Father God, for being such a help to us. We thank you, Lord, for being such our provider. Thank you, Lord, for being our help. Thank you, Lord, for just being there and looking after us, being committed to our care and to our needs. Lord, we thank you, Lord, as we depend on you, that you lead us and guide us in all things and helping us to succeed in every endeavor of our lives. Lord, we know that without you, we can do nothing. But with you, according to the Apostle Paul, we can do all things. And so, Lord, today, we are committed to depending on you for everything. Like a child depends on their parents, Lord, we want to depend on you. Lord, whether it's big or little, we don't want to just come to you and depend on you in just an emergency. But we want to depend on you for everything. And, Lord, for this, we thank you. Thank you for looking after us. Thank you for taking care of us. Thank you for loving us for for who we are. And Lord, we thank you again for this timely word. I believe that you've encouraged many this morning. I believe that you encouraged their faith and gave them hope. And Lord, I just thank you so much for being faithful. And for this, we thank you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.